You know, I'm preaching a series of sermons on uh, Christian, you're at war, and how to conduct this war, and how to equip yourself for this war. And uh, if you look at Christianity as, as it's gone through for 2,000 years, it really is a, it's a militant thing. Christianity is a militant uh, a thing. It's a discipline. It's very militant. And when I mean militant, it's a militant regime. I mean, you, you're, you're, you're in an army. You're a soldier of Jesus Christ. And even these old, that's why I love these old hymns. And I was thinking about that when we were singing this last song, At the Cross. It's all, they're all march songs. A, mo, a, a bunch of our hymns are march songs. It's at the cross, two, three, four. At the cross, at the cross, where I first, four, five. It's a march, you know, like we're marching on. We're marching on it. You go down to Pensacola, Florida, and they've got the, they've got the uh, band. They're like, they have like a marching band they have up at the front. There's no other way to put it. I mean, it's like an orchestra. They got violin stuff in there, but mainly it's a marching band. They got a bass drum. They got a snare drum. They got trumpets, horns, t- trombones. Uh, they've got everything you can think of. But it's basically a marching band. And when they start playing that, I, my wife told me when she first went down there, she said, this makes me want to march out into the street and sing, you know. Because it is. It's, these songs are marching. When you get the bass drum going, boom, two, three, four, one. At the, it just, it, that's, that's Christianity. It's always moving. It's always working. We're always supposed to be we're at war. And this, this ser- series of sermons I've been preaching on is about a Christian, you're at war. And I preached uh, a couple Sundays ago, you're supposed to first recognize you're at war. Recognize your enemy, and your three enemies are the devil, the world, and yourself. And the last thing we're going to look at in these sermons is yourself. That's the most important one. That's the biggest battle, is your, is your enemy is yourself. And the third thing we, re, we, we figured out, once you recognize your war, once you recognize who your enemy is, the third thing you need to do is, you need to fight back. Amen. When you're at war, you fight back. You don't roll over, you don't show your belly. You fight back. And last week we looked at how to equip yourself. You get, you get into war, you have a certain equipment you wear. And like I said last Sunday, I've never seen any war videos where they're out there running out there in the war trenches and they have shorts on and flip-flops carrying brooms. They're equipped to go to war. And you've got to put on the whole armor of God. And that whole armor of God, we looked at that, and basically it's truth, righteousness, gospel of peace, faith, salvation, your Bible, and prayer. That's the seven instruments or, or pieces of equipment that you're supposed to put on as the whole armor of God. So in Revelation, cha- I mean, excuse me, Romans chapter 13, Romans chapter 13, look at verse 12. Let's read these again. The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. And I preached on that last Sunday. The whole armor of God, the armor of light. Verse 13, let us walk honestly. As in the day, not in rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. And I want to focus on verse 14 this morning. I want to focus on, but put ye on, put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want, to put, I want to talk this morning about putting off the old man and putting on the new man. And this war, you're going to have to put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. So when you enlist in the army, and when you receive Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, you might not realize it, but you got enlisted into the army of God. You're now a soldier of Christ. I think we've established that. What the first thing they do to you is they send you off to a bad, naughty place called boot camp. Nobody wants to go to boot camp. Nobody wants to be a part of anything to do with boot camp. And there's a lot of us who know some teenagers that we think that teenager needs to go to boot camp. That teenager has been told yes by their mommy and daddy all their life. They need to go to boot camp where they'll have a drill sergeant that's yelling at them and saying, No, you're stupid. You're nothing but a worm, you know. Get right, soldier. And make them run and get up 5 o'clock in the morning. See, that's our dream for a lot of these teenagers we see riding around with purple hair combed over to the side. And, you know, it's like, oh, man, they need the military. Oh, do they need the military. But when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you're drafted into the army of God. And God, he's not going to just send you out there. He's going to send you to boot camp. And this boot camp is when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit's going to come in. 
and start dwelling in you. What happens to a lot of Christians when they come down or however they receive Jesus Christ the Lord and Savior and they're born again, you'll hear a lot of people say, get ready because the devil's going to start messing with you. Get ready. You know, the devil's going to... The devil's going to be after you. And there's a lot of truth in that. But you know what the truth is? A lot of times it's not even the devil gets after him. It's the Holy Spirit. Because what happens is you come down knowing you're a sinner. Amen. Uh, you come down, you know you're a sinner. You, know, you don't want to go to hell. You want to go to heaven. You know Jesus Christ is, is, is the way, the truth, and the life. You come down and get saved. And when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you get saved. And you think everything's going to be great. And it is. There's a weight lifted off of you. Oh, man, it feels so good. And there's so much joy. But what happens is instantly the Holy Spirit comes in and starts dwelling in you. Amen. And what the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit is there to clean you up. Amen. And make you acceptable and good enough to produce fruit for the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. And that's not a good process. Because the Lord says in other places in the Bible, He's talking about a tree that's not producing fruit. Let me dig around it and prune it up and put some dung around it. Remember Jesus Christ told that parable? And said, uh, He comes in there, what good is this tree? Don't have any fruit, just cut it down. And the gardener says, the husbandman, the gardener says, now just wait, uh, uh, let, me, let me dig around it and put some more dung around it and see if I can, and then give it about a year and, see if, and we'll come back and see if it's got some fruit. And I think that's what happens in Christians' life is God sometimes like, we know, let's just take them out of there. They're not doing anything for, the, for me. They're not doing anything. And the Holy Spirit says, give me, a, give me a little while. Let me dig around them. Let me bring some dung into their life and see if I can make them start doing something for you. Producing, it's all about producing fruit. You're, you're not, you're, God didn't bring you into his family and into the army to sit around and get in a welfare check. God wants you to produce some fruit. And he wants to. Now look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. We're in a war. You've been drafted into an army and you're going to be uh, sent to boot camp. And the Holy Spirit's going to uh, start messing with you. <laughs> Excuse me. He comes into your, comes in, starts dwelling in you. And the Holy Spirit starts telling you, stop doing this and... Stop doing that, and it, and, and it starts, to, oh, well, the devil's after me, the devil's after me. No, the Holy Spirit's kind of messing with you, telling you to straighten up, and you don't like it. You know, sometimes that's what's going on in your life. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Let's get, this, let's get this out of the way. First off, top of the bat, let's get this out of the way. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, first you've got to be in Jesus Christ. If any man be in Christ, well, pastor... How do I get in Christ? Well, the way you get into Christ is by receiving Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. Then the Holy Spirit puts you into Jesus Christ. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he, that man that was put into Christ, is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Amen. The only way you can get enlisted into the army of God is by Jesus Christ. That settles it. The only way you can become a new man, the only way you can put off the old man and put on the new man is to become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ. You can't go to anybody else to get it. You only can get it through Jesus. The only way you can enlist at the army of God is through Jesus Christ. There's only one recruiter. That's the Holy Spirit, and he's going to send you to Jesus Christ. That's how you get in the army of God. It's through Jesus Christ. So we established that straight off the bat. Now turn to Ephesians chapter 4. Now this is where we're going to be for a while. Ephesians, Ephesians chapter 4. Because I want to show you, as we're focusing on this morning, that you've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to talk to you this morning on how to do that. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, look at verse 22. You're at war, uh, brothers and sisters. And I've been stressing it for weeks and weeks, but you're at war. And this isn't a video game. This isn't a video game. A lot of you old-timers, you don't care nothing about video games, but the young, young guys do. Young kids, they love video games. This isn't a video game. In a video game, you've got multiple lives. Uh, Matt Way could tell you if, you, if you're if something's happening in that video game and you don't like what's happening in that video game, you can get mad at that video game and just push that button and just start it over again and turn it off. It don't work that way in life. In war, you can't just say, okay, okay, a truce, uh, uh, wait, don't, don't attack me anymore. That's, that's, it's okay. 
The devil don't work that way. I learned this a long time ago, go playing paintball. Y'all know what paintball is? Paintball is where you run around with these guns and they shoot little, they shoot out these little balls that have paint in them. And the object it is you shoot somebody with that paintball and they have CO2 cartridges like that. And that, that ball, and it goes really, really fast. And that ball will hit you and it splatters and that paint and that ball, will, and then you can see you've been hit, right? That's why they use these paintballs. So when they shoot you, they know, oh, you've been hit. I can tell you've been hit. You got yellow paint on you. Well, I, would, I always wanted to play this. So we, we, all got our, we all bought our guns uh, through mail order. We went up there. We went up on Br Brother Packer's land, way up there on that mountain, up on Government Hill, uh, Government Knob or whatever he called it. So we went up there, and we're going to play paintball. I had no idea that when those paintballs hit you, I don't know how fast they're going, 100. <laughs> those suckers hurt, and they leave a big whelp on you. It's like they leave a big old whelp on you. Well, we, we got up there, and we had these guns we ordered off, off of, uh, not off the internet, but mail order, and they were cheap. They're like the cheapest guns you find. Well, they would jam all the time. So what we did is we decided what we would do is we would, if we ever had a gun that jammed, we could just yell, hey, my gun's jammed, my gun's jammed. And you're supposed to leave that guy alone. Okay, y'all know where this is going, right? <laughs> If you, you yell, my gun's jammed, my gun's jammed, and the guy's supposed to leave you alone. Not supposed to shoot you anymore because your gun is jammed. You know, that's fair, right? That's, all, that's fair because we're only playing a game. But we all know everything's fair in love and war. And when you get up there playing paintball, it's war. So we brought up the, I don't know if y'all remember uh, Mel Aaron. He was, the, he was a song leader at Victory Baptist Church. Big old tall guy. He was in his late 30s, and I, was, and I was a teenager at the time. Big old tall guy. We brought him up there to play paintball because we really wanted to shoot him. That's what. So we got up there, and we told him, this is the rules. If somebody uh, has a you know, guns jam, you yell out, my guns jam, my gun. So we're up there, and my, junk, my gun jams. So you know me, I'm squawking like a hawk. Ah, my guns jam, my guns jam, you know, because I don't want to get shot. He comes running up there, and he looks at me, and, and I'm, stand, I'm, I'm on the ground, and I've got my gun, and I'm trying to get down and jam. I said, my gun's jammed. My gun. And this is, the, this is the song leader, the godly man that leads the song service. He's standing above me. He looks at me, and he points the gun at me, and he says, tell it to the Viet Cong. Pow! And shoots me. <laughs> I was so mad. I said a lot of unchristian words. And he ran off. <laughs> And he came out there, and I don't remember if you remember the days that they were, the, the Texas Rangers, they had those hard helmets you could buy. They were like hard helmets, but they weren't actually helmets, but you could wear. He was wearing one of those as protection. None of us uh, had protection. So I went and told my other friends, I said, you know what Brother Aaron did to me, man? I told him my gun's jammed, and he said, tell it to the Viet Cong, and he shot me right there, man, almost point blank. And boy, I was mad as a hornet. So we told uh, Brother Aaron, we brought him over there, and we said, okay, now we're going to finish the game off. We're all going to run down back to the house. And whoever gets down there first wins what we're going to do. So give us a couple of minutes, and we're going to get all spread out. And you get over here, and you get up. So we spread all out. Well, we lied to him. We all set an ambush for him all the way down the hill. Because <laughs> I wanted to pay him back. We're going to pay him back. So we were all set down ambush, and here comes Brother Aaron, and he's running down the hill with that stupid-looking helmet on, and we're like, pow, 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 pow. And one of the rules was you don't shoot anybody in the head. He got back to the house, and that, that blue helmet was covered in yellow. <laughs> I was, pow, 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 shoot him in the head, shoot him in the head. Because all is fair in love and war, right? The point of this story I'm telling you is the devil's going to say, tell it to the Viet Cong. The devil's not going to give you any slack. The world's not going to give you any slack, Christian. And yourself, you're not going to give yourself any slack. As soon as you think you got it all figured out, here comes the attack. Look at Ephesians chapter 4, verse 22. Don't ever play paintball unless you're ready to get hurt. I got some really good stories I can tell you, but I can't tell you from the pulpit. Verse 22. That you put off. This is Paul uh, talking, writing, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. There's the old man. Which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. The old man is deceitful, and he's corrupt, and he will, he will deceive you. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. 
There's something going on in your mind. And that's one of the last sermons I'm going to preach. I'm going to preach about your mind. Most important one. We're not going to preach on that this morning. But he says, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Because that's where it all starts right there. Look at verse 24. And that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. So, he tells you, you put off the old man and you put on the new man. That's what he says, that you put off. Now, Paul had wrote, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. So you've got to start putting some things off and putting some things on. <laughs> this is how you're going to work it, brothers and sisters. Whenever you commit a sin, you're going to have to look at yourself and say, I have did this sin, and whatever you're doing, or whatever you're doing on a regular basis, and say, it's like wearing dirty clothes. And I've got to put these dirty clothes off. I've got to take these dirty clothes. They're just rotten. They're filthy. They're nasty. I've got to put off these dirty clothes. And I've got to come over here and I've got to put on the whole armor of God. I've got to put off this sin. And I've got to put on the Lord Jesus Christ, which is truth and holiness and righteousness. Because I'm not. I'm a sinner. I sin, and I'm committing the sin, and I, in your mind, you've got to start thinking. When you commit a sin, you say, I've got to put this stuff off. Cast it away. Cast off the works of darkness, Paul said. Cast it off, put it off, and put on holiness. Put on the Lord Jesus. You're not holy. You're not holy, but Jesus Christ is. So you've got to put off the old man. That's the old way I used to do things. That's the old way I used to think. Before I was a Christian, that's the old way to do things. There's a new way. There's a new man. And it's in Jesus Christ. And I'm going to put him on. You've got to start thinking this way. It's all in your mind. Be, be, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind. It's an attitude you have in your mind of saying, Yeah, I know I've done this, but I'm going to put it off. That sin does not have to be you. You're a Christian. You can't be... You can't make yourself a Christian. But you are a sinner. You are rottenness. You are this old man. But the Holy Spirit can make you a Christian. So what you're saying is, I'm going to put this stuff off. And I want Jesus Christ to start working in my life. And I'm going to put this stuff on. It's an attitude. It's how you got to pray. Lord Jesus Christ, please forgive me of this sin. And just cast it off, Lord. Please forgive me. Just put it off, Lord. And put on the truth and holiness, Lord. Just cleanse me and wash me in the precious blood. There's ways you pray. There's an attitude you walk around with. There's a way you're going to carry yourself. And that you put on the new man, which is after God. It's created in righteousness and true holiness. Look at verse 25. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Alright, the first thing he tells you to do as a new man, you've got to stop lying. That should be pretty obvious, right? But it's hard to do. And he says, to speak, every, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. You speak the truth to each other because we have to live around each other. Stop lying to each other. The old man lies. The new man tells the truth. All right? He's, he's separating them out. Verse 26. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. It's good advice. You can be angry. Something can make you angry, but don't let it come into, turn into sin. Anger is, anger is not a bad emotion. It's when you let it become a sin. Amen. That's what happens. Jesus got angry. I've shown that to you in the Bible. The Bible says Jesus looked on them with anger. I mean, he got angry with them. Well, did Jesus sin? No. He didn't let it become a sin. But our problem is... We get angry, and we let it turn into a sin. See, it says, be ye angry, and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. See that colon there? See how there's a colon after wrath? It tells you there's some stuff coming. You need to tie what's verse 27 to verse 26. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Guys, I can't tell you enough, if you get angry with somebody or you've got something going on in your life, when you go to bed at night, you need to let it go. Amen. You need to pray and ask the Lord to forgive you. You need to pray and ask the Lord to give you. You say, okay, Keegan, 
this person did something really mean to me or vile to me. And a lot of times they do. And a lot of times we are justified in being mad. Right? We are right. And the Bible doesn't say anything about you being right or wrong. But yeah, you're right. Sometimes people do do really vile things to you. But you're going you're gonna to have to say to yourself, Lord, I can't stop being mad. Right? I can't stop being angry. But I know you in me can. I know the new man can let it go. Kigan can't let that go, Lord. So you're going to have to help me to let that go. Please, Lord, do it for me. I can't stop being angry. I, can't have any, I don't have a heart to forgive them, but I know you have a heart to forgive them. Will you please help me to put off this old Kigan and put on the new Kigan, which is you in me? Thank you, brother. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. If you get mad at your, your husband, your spouse, your, your son, your daughter, your uncle, your aunt, you need to try to make it right before you go to bed. Say, hey, you know, I love you, let's just forget about it. I love you, whatever you need to do. You need to try to make it. Man, there's nothing worse than going to bed angry. Amen. Amen. Maybe I don't go to bed angry like I do. I do it all the time. It's nothing worse. I have nightmares, don't get any good sleep. And then wonder why I wake up, oh, I feel like I've been beat all night long. Because you're mad about something stupid. Because look at verse 27. It's tied together. Neither give place to the devil. Amen. Here we go. I'm focusing on these two verses because they're so important in the Christian walk. In the Christian walk and the Christian life. Because when you're angry, it's because somebody's done you wrong and you need to forgive them. And you're not forgiving them. And you're holding a grudge. And the devil sees that and uses it against you. When you hold a grudge and don't forgive, you're giving the devil something to work with. See verse 27? Neither give place to the devil. Anger comes from you not wanting to forgive. Anger comes from you saying, they can't do that to me, I'm going to pay them back. Anger comes from you holding a grudge, you not being forgiving. And we know the Lord Jesus Christ said we should be forgiving, right? He taught us to forgive. He taught us to forgive those that despitefully you. He told us, he taught, that's one of his main teachings. I, I, I point this out to you all the time in this church, and I mean it with all my heart, guys. That, the teachings that the Lord Jesus Christ gave us was for our own good, not for the people we're forgiving. There's people that I've had to forgive that never even knew I was mad at them. Never even knew that I was angry at them. I had a guy borrow a lawnmower from me. And he borrowed my lawnmower all the time. He'd come over to my house, I need to borrow your lawnmower. He borrows my lawnmower, he brings it back. He blew it up, oil leaking out everywhere out of it. He brings it back and just drops off. He goes, I don't know what happened to it. You know what happened with me? I know what happened with me. I don't know what he did to my lawnmower, but I know what happened with me. I, I flew off the handle. I'm like, man, he tore my lawnmower up. I went into the house, told my wife, he tore my lawnmower up. Boy, I was angry at him. He would keep coming over to the house. What are you doing? I'll tell you what I'm doing in my mind. I'm trying not to get mad at you and, and scream at you right now. <laughs> I was sitting there and he'd be talking to me like nothing's wrong. And I'm, the whole time I'm thinking, I, I should just punch him right now. <laughs> he, he tore my lawnmower up. I'm mad at him. Well, he's sitting there. He don't know nothing's wrong. He leaves and we'll see you later. And it takes everything in me to say, okay, see you later. Don't ever come back, you know. Because I'm angry at him. Well, it wasn't doing him any harm. You know who it was harming? Me. It was and harming my wife. Right? My wife don't want to have me come in the house and throwing, th throwing stuff off the handle. Like, oh, I'm mad and angry. My wife don't want to live with somebody like that. Amen? All I'm doing is hurting me and I'm hurting my spouse. I need to let it go. I'm giving place to the devil because I'm holding a grudge and I'm unforgiving and the devil loves that. He comes in there and he uses it and makes you bitter and makes you angry. And what do you do? You end up paying them back, right? Yeah, yeah, you do. Look at Corinthians. Look at 2 Corinthians chapter 2. Just turn back for a couple of pages. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 and 11. Paul recognized this. It all has to do with unforgiveness. 
as a Christian, you want your Christian life to be ten times better than it was this, before you walked in the back of this church this morning? It's simple. Learn to forgive. Learn to forgive. If you can be a forgiving Christian, guys, there's, I, there's no telling what the Lord could do with you. And there's no telling what kind of joy and happiness you'd have. When I, when I have to counsel people and I have people call me on the phone or come over and they're talking to me and there's all kinds of problems, you know what mo most of the time it is? Unforgiveness. They're mad. They won't forgive them. And I tell them, you need to forgive them. And they don't like that. <laughs> they don't want to forgive. Look at, look at verse 10. To whom you forgive anything, I forgive also. This is Paul talking. For I, if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. He said, if you forgive something, I forgive them. If they've done something, I'll forgive them in the name of Jesus Christ. And for the sake of Jesus Christ, I'm forgiving them. Why is he telling them all this? Because look at the very next verse. Read it. Read verse 11. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. Amen. That's how Satan works. Paul tells you straight out, you're not forgiven, and I'm, I'm forgiven, even though I don't know what's going on in your church, I don't know what's going on in your life, I'll forgive them in the name of Christ, because I know how Satan works, and I know his devices. And he'll use that. He'll bust up a marriage over it, he'll bust up friendships over it, He'll, bust, he'll, he'll, he'll cause murder, he'll cause lying, he'll cause stealing. He'll, you'll do stuff you've never dreamed of you'll do because you're mad at somebody. And you won't forgive them. And Satan knows that and he takes advantage of that. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. He takes advantage of you. Amen. He takes advantage of your anger. He takes advantage of your unforgiveness. And he uses it against you. And we are not ignorant of his devices. That's one of his devices. His device is to see that you're angry and unforgiving about somebody or something and to just, just use it against you. And use it against you. And use it against you. And send somebody your way to remind you about it. I've had that happen a hundred times in my life. Be angry and mad about something. And just right when I'm thinking I'm getting over it, somebody will come around and remind me of it. And in my mind, I'm, that's the devil. You got to forgive. You say, Brother Keegan, I can't forgive. I know you can't. But Jesus Christ can. So you got to put off the old man. Put off the old man, the one that won't forgive, and say, Lord, I can't forgive. I can't forgive, but I know you in me can. Lord, help me to forgive. Do it for me. And see if the Lord Jesus Christ won't give you power to forgive. That's some powerful prayers the Holy Spirit can use in your life. Back in Ephesians chapter 4. Back in Ephesians chapter 4. So be ye angry and sin not, lest the sun go down upon your wrath, neither give place to the devil. So look at verse 28. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 28. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. A Christian should be a hard worker. The old man might be lazy. The old man might be a, a clock, a sit on the clock and not do anything while he's at work. But the new man, a Christian, should be a hard worker. Amen. Amen I believe that. A, a Christian, every Christian in his place should be one of the hardest workers. One of the best employees. And if you're lazy and you're no good, stop, saying, stop telling people you're a Christian because you're giving us a bad name. If you're, if you're at work and you're a Christian, do a good job and work hard. Why? So you can give to those that have need. So you can help people out. That's what a Christian is about. All of Christianity is about giving. That's it. All of Jesus Christ's life as the Son of God manifest in the flesh on this earth was giving. Giving. Healing people, giving them advice, telling them how they can change their life, giving, giving, giving. And at the end of his life, he gave it all on the cross. It was all about giving. And that's what your Christian life should be about too. You should work and labor. You say, so I can help out somebody who needs, I might need some, somebody might need some help, I can help them out in some way. I don't know, who knows? But you can't help them out if you're lying and cheating and you don't have any money because 
You live in that kind of life, you never have any money. If you live a non-Christian life and you live a life as you're stealing and, 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 and doing no labor, you, you just, you're wasting your time and you're wasting, uh, wasting everything that the Lord's given you as a Christian. You're a sorry, no good Christian. And there's a lot of sorry, no good Christians in this world that will not work. It's a shame. Verse 29, Let's no, let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. This is one I need to work on. No corrupt communication. Well, that covers a lot. <laughs> that covers a lot. That covers backbiting, talking about somebody's back. That covers all that kind of stuff. And me with a big mouth, man, I can do that all day long. Easy. The Lord don't want me doing that. The Lord wants me ministering grace unto the hearers. Edifying people with my mouth. You should have a mouth that edifies people. You look good today. You look pretty today. You, you, uh, you look, uh, have a good morning, good morning, good evening, whatever. Thank you. Yes, sir. No, sir. Have one of those kind of mouths that edifies people. That gives grace unto the hear. Listen, they can turn on TV and hear, hear trash all day long. It's just trash. And on TV, it's nothing but, the shows I've seen, it's nothing but like, the kids always back-talking the parents and being sarcastic and rude and crude. and every, Everybody talks bad to everybody else. We need to have mouths that are full of grace. Amen. Verse 30, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, Amen. whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Amen. See, when you're living in the old man, and you haven't put off the old man, you're grieving the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a person. He's one part of the Trinity, and you can grieve Him. It's like you can grieve your parents by the way you act. You grieve Him. You're grieving Him. And you don't want to grieve Him. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Why? Because you're sealed unto the day of redemption. The Holy Spirit has saved you, and that's why you're going to stay saved. Because <laughs> the Holy Spirit's in you. See, that speaks to eternal security. You're sealed. You, God's put a, put a seal on you. You're, you're a child of God. You're sealed unto the day of redemption. That redemption's your body. Till you get your new body. You're sealed unto that day of redemption. That speaks of eternal security. But see, when you're, when you're not putting off the old man, that's grieving the Holy Spirit. Look at verse 31. Here's some, here's some more of them. Let all, there you go, all of these, bitterness... Anybody in here have bitterness? Amen. Amen, brother. I guess there's two of us in here. And wrath and anger. Amen. Amen. And clamor. And a lot of y'all go, well, praise the Lord, I don't have that because I don't even know what that is. <laughs> clamor is something I do a lot of. Loud complaining. Yeah. If you've been around working with me at work and the, way, the place I work at, I do a lot of loud complaining. But I need to shut it up. Loud complaining. Evil speaking. Notice how many of these are tied to our tongues. <laughs> how many of these are tied to our mouths? Amen. A lot of them. Evil speaking. But be put away from you with all malice. Just that evil thinking. That evil way of doing things to people. Verse 32. Here we go. This is the new man. Be ye kind one to another. There's nothing wrong with being kind. Amen. The world wants you to be tough and mean and hateful and smart-alecky. And the Lord says, just be kind. Amen. Just be kind. Be ye kind one to another. Tender-hearted. It's okay to cry every once in a while. <laughs> Things should hurt you. When you see somebody hurting because of something, that should hurt you. That's called tender-hearted. You should, you, you, things should bother you. Tenderhearted. Forgiving, look, uh-oh, uh-oh. Forgiving one another. Why should we forgive one another? Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Yeah, yeah, because how many times is God having to forgive you in the name of Jesus Christ? And you can't forgive one little thing that somebody did to you? You know what's the hardest thing for me is? Is I realize I get mad at somebody for doing something to me. And I get so mad at them. And I did the same thing to somebody else. <laughs> and 
And when I do something like that to somebody else, you know what I want that person to do? Forgive me. Please forgive me. Please don't be mad at me because I, I messed up, I screwed up, I did this to you. But when they do that to me, man, I don't ever want to forgive them. But I sure want God to forgive me. Amen. Amen, right? We sure want God to forgive us of all our sins. That's why you need to forgive one another. And we've already shown you that the devil will use that device against you, that unforgiveness. Look at Colossians. Let's close up in Colossians chapter 3. We're getting close. Colossians chapter 3. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, Paul said. We need to put off the old man, put on the new man. Now, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. You skip, just turn to the page to the right a little bit, a couple of pages. You'll find Colossians chapter 3. Look at verse 5. Now, he's, Paul's going to describe the old man from 5 down to verse 9. He's going to describe the old man. Here it is. Mortify, therefore, mortify, mortician, kill, destroy. It's dead. Therefore, your members which are upon the earth. You need to crucify yourself. The other parts of the Bible, we'll get into that, is crucify yourself. Deny yourself, Jesus says. Christianity is all about denying yourself. Crucifying yourself. Pick up your cross daily and follow me, Jesus Christ said. Deny yourself. Christianity is all about, not about me, it's about you. Yeah, Christianity is about not what I have, but what I can give to you. What do you need? Mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Here they are. This is what they do. Fornication. That's sex outside of marriage. Uncleanliness. That, that covers a whole lot of stuff. Inordinate affection. Being affectionate about something more than you should. Loving something more than you should. Do you love a TV show more than you love going to church? That kind of stuff. Inordinate affection. Evil concupiscence. There's another one you're saying, well, I don't do that one, praise the Lord. Because you know, you know what that is. Well, let me give you a definition. Concupiscence is defined as lust, unlaw, unlaw, unlawful, irregular desire of sexual pleasure. That's what's going on rampant in the world today. That's why you have so much trouble with homosexuality and all this weird sexual stuff going on. That's it right there. And covetousness. Covetousness, which is idolatry. When you're coveting something, you're worshiping it in God's eyes. That's like idolatry. You know, I don't have no idol. I don't have nothing I'm falling down before. But there's something in your heart maybe you're putting above God. That's idolatry. That's the old man. That's how the old man acts. Amen? Amen. That's how the old man acts. Amen. Okay, that's, that's how we used to act. We shouldn't be acting that way no more. For which things sake the wrath of God cometh on the children of disobedience. Well, you don't want the wrath of God on you. Right? We got, that, we got away from that through Jesus Christ. Verse 7. In the which ye also walked sometime when ye lived in them. There was a time you walked that way before you became a Christian. So don't start walking that way again. That's what Paul's saying. Hey, we don't act that way. That's the way the world acts. Why is it so hard to tell the difference between the Christian and the world? It shouldn't be no, it should be real easy to tell the difference. But you can't tell the difference between any of them. They all, we all dress the same, we talk the same, we act the same, we drink the same things, we eat the same things, we watch the same things on TV. You should, this, should be, this should tell the difference between you and the world. In the time you, in, the, in the which you also walked sometime when you lived in them, but now, verse 8, you also put off all these. See, we're putting off the old man. Here it is again. Anger and wrath and malice and blasphemy. Filthy communication out of your mouth. There it is, your mouth again. Verse 9. Lie not one to another. There's that lying. Seeing that you have put off the old man with his deeds. You're not supposed to act that way because that's the way the old man acts. Leave that behind. Hey, you're a new creature in Jesus Christ. <laughs> you're a new creature. You don't act that way anymore. You can do some of these things, but you don't live in these things. Every Christian can do anything the world can do. Any Christian can do that. But we don't live in these things. We, we ask for forgiveness and we try to get up and we try not to do them again. The world loves them and they wallow in them. They wallow around in them like a pig in slop. 
You don't do that, right? No, we don't do that. We don't want to do that. We, don't want to, we know that that's not the way to live. We want to live like a new man. Look at verse 10. And have put on the new man. That's the new man. We want to put off the old man, put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. Who created you? Lord Jesus Christ, God. Well, look, verse 11. Where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcision or not, nor uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, bond or free, but Christ is all in all. Amen. You might not realize it, but verse 10 and verse 11, they tell you what the new man is. The new man is Jesus Christ. Amen. So when Paul says, put you on the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, put off the old man, that's Kigan, and put on Jesus Christ. I don't want the world to see Kigan anymore. I want the world to see Jesus Christ in me. That's what a Christian wants. A Christian says, I don't want them to see me because I'm rotten and no good and sorry and blasphemous and evil. But Jesus Christ is so holy and good. Lord, please shine out of me. Work in me. That's a new man. Verse 12, put on therefore as the elect of God, that's who we are, holy and beloved, bowels, this is how you're supposed to act, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering. All these are great qualities that you don't see in the world. You notice these are things you don't see in the world. The world's all about pride. God's all about telling you to be humble. The world's all about get it while you can get it. They're all, the, God's all about be meek. The world's all about don't put up with it. Pay them back. God's all about long-suffering. Do you see how the Christian life is acting like, it's that you're letting God work through you, and if God's working through you, His qualities, His way of doing things will work out of you? Because if you don't, if you don't work, let God work out of you, and you're working in the old man, you're going to have anger and wrath and unforgiveness and malice and all these other evil things that we just listed right there. But if you can let the Holy Spirit work out of you, man, you can be meek and humble of mind and long-suffering. Look at verse 13. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. That can only happen with the new man. You can only learn to forgive people with the new man. I know it's hard to forgive, brothers and sisters. I know it's almost impossible. And I know you can't do it, but I'm not asking you to do it. I'm asking you to let Jesus Christ do it in you. I'm not telling you to do something that's impossible. God's never asking you to do something that's impossible. He says, I know it's impossible for you, but with God, all things are possible. And you say, I can't do it, brother. I know you can't. I can't either. But in Jesus Christ, I can do all things in Christ which strengtheneth me. See, it's all about Jesus Christ and letting Him do it in you. Stop trying to do it. Turn it over to God. Whatever sin it is, to say, Lord, I can't stop. And God will say, I know you can't stop. Let me do it for you. Forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And I, I know I've already preached on that. But the truth is, Christ has to forgive us for so much. Shouldn't we be able to forgive somebody else? Amen. Amen. Yeah. Let's close out here. And above all these things, put on charity. Charity. Which is the bond of perfectness. Perfectness. Charity, what is charity? Charity is a giving love. Amen. Guys, a child has love. And we get this so messed up. A, a little child loves his parents, but it's a, it's a taking love. It just takes and takes and takes. But when a child matures and becomes a young man or a young woman, that child should become and have charity, which is charity is a giving love. Amen. That's truly God's love. For God so loved the world, He gave His only begotten. So that there's, there's, what God wants you to do is have on charity, which is to have a giving love. Amen. That means there's time that you've got to get up and go help somebody when you don't want to help them. 
That's giving time. That's giving energy. That's giving, that's giving, thing, that's giving money when maybe you don't have as much money as you. Maybe you wanted to take that money and, and do something else with it. But you say, you know what? I, they need it. I'm going to give it to them. That's a giving love. That's charity. That's something you can only have in Jesus Christ. Because in the, in the old man, it's all about take, take, take. You see that in the world. It's me, 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 me. Take, take, take. i got to have it all. Where's mine? Where's mine? Why didn't I get mine? Where's mine? It's me, 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 me. And God says, it's not about you. It's about giving. It's about having love that's charity. And that's the perfectness and the bond of perfectness. And above all these things, put on charity. Verse 15. And let... The peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also you are called in one body, and be ye thankful. <laughs> and so in closing, be thankful. Just be thankful. But notice he says in verse 15, let the peace of God rule in your hearts. When you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have peace with God. And what I mean by that is that you and God are okay from that point on. Before that, the wrath of God was on you. John three thirty six. John 3, 18. You were condemned. God was, wrath was on you. But when you received Jesus Christ, he, the, rat, the peace of God was, the peace with God happened. In other words, you and God are okay. He's not mad at you anymore. You have Jesus Christ. You and God are okay. But the peace of God is the peace that God can give you. And it can give you joy and happiness and, and, and give you something that the world can't have and give you stuff that the world can't explain and you can't even explain to other people. It's a peace of God. But notice in verse 15, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts. You can hinder the peace of God working. In, you can stop it from working. You got to let him. You got to put off the old man. And say, Lord, I don't want this anger anymore. I want peace. So, Lord, will you give me peace? Will you work in my heart and give me peace? And I'll let you, I'll humbly ask and let you work, work in my life and give me peace. See, it comes back to humbleness. Because over here, it's pride. I can do it. I can stop it. I can stop doing this. I can forgive. I can do this. It's all pride. And over here, it's all about humbleness. I can't do it. I'm stupid. I'm no good. Lord, you're going to have to do it for me. Amen. And he'll come in and do it. Because he wants you to do that. He wants you to humble yourself down and let him rule in your heart and give you peace. Guys, you're at war. And you're in a boot camp, if you know it or not. And your whole Christian walk is the Lord putting you through stuff in a boot camp. And some of us are falling down in the mud. Some of us are not doing a very good job. But you're in the boot camp and the Holy Spirit's right there with you trying to lift you up and trying to put that old man off so you can put on the new man, which is who? Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you for your love and grace, Lord. And thank you for the new man. And Father, I just thank you, Father, that we can come to you and when we can't do it and just ask you to do it for us. And, Lord, we can claim that power that we have in the Holy Spirit, Lord. And, Father, I ask you, to, Lord, to, to fill us with your Holy Spirit, that your fruit might manifest out, Lord God, that your works can manifest out, that we won't do it on our own, Lord God. We'll do it with your power. And we'll be in your armor, Lord God, not our own. And, Father, we'll equip ourselves with your truth and righteousness and the Bible and the helmet of salvation, the gospel. Lord, we'll just equip ourselves with that, Father, and we'll walk daily. Thanking and praising you, Lord God, letting, letting your peace rule in our heart. And Lord, being thankful that you just love us and that you saved us. Because Lord, we know no, no matter what happens in this world, Lord, we're still going to go to heaven. And we thank you for that, Father. We, oh, we're so thankful for heaven. And we're praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, friends. This is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church of Indian Gap, Texas. If you'd like to contact us, you can do it at IndianGapBaptist.com. On the internet, it's IndianGapBaptist.com. But I have a question for you. If you died tonight, do you know if you'd go to heaven? You know, if you're not sure, let me show you a few verses out of the Bible so you can know if you have eternal life. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life, and that you may believe on the name of the Son of God. 
So that verse tells us there that you can know you have eternal life. And I want to show you how you can know that. Jesus Christ talked in John chapter 3, verse 16, and most people have heard this verse. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. That's an amazing verse, of course, talking about how God gave Jesus Christ as a gift to the world. But verse 17 and 18, he went on to say something interesting. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. So the whole reason Jesus Christ came into this world was to save you and to save me and you. But in verse 18, he says something that's amazing. He says that he that believeth on him is not condemned. He's stressing a faith. It's putting your faith into Jesus Christ. But he says there in verse 18, But he that believeth not is condemned already, because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So he says you're condemned already if you haven't believed in Jesus Christ. It's not like you're going to go to heaven and you're going to stand before God and you're going to have God put your good deeds on the scale and your bad deeds on, on the other side of the scale and he's going to weigh it. And if you've been a good enough person down on this earth that he'll let you into heaven. It doesn't work that way. Jesus Christ is real explicit here to say that you're condemned already. You need a Savior right now. The same chapter down in verse 36, it says, He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. It goes back to a believe, putting your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. But the verse continues, And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. See, it's going on right now. You need a Savior right now. You need to be saved from a devil's hell. Paul sums it up real good here in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, That if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, Thou shalt be saved. It's putting your faith in Jesus Christ from the heart. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. It's very important to confess Jesus Christ because the mouth shows where the heart's at. And in verse 13 he sums it up. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. So friends, as simple as just bowing your head and saying a prayer, something like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I know you died on the cross for my sins. I believe you can came up from the grave and are alive right now listening to me. I invite you into my heart to save me. Please save me, Lord Jesus. Amen. If you prayed something similar to that, we'd love to hear from you. You can contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. And God bless you. And until next time. Casting all your care. Upon him